Hey, you. Want access to exclusive secret ops intel? Check out the link in the description. Welcome to Secret Ops, the podcast uncovering the world of business operations, one episode at a time. I'm your host, Ariana Cafone, and today's guest is Joanna Lin, a B2B marketing consultant developing marketing functions within businesses. Joanna, welcome to Secret Ops. I am beyond thrilled to have you as a guest today. I am super excited to be here because I love hanging out with you. Same. Also, we talked about this before hopping on this episode. I am really excited to learn from you because I know very little about marketing, especially all of the operations that goes into it. So I can't wait to just pick your brain and get a peek into what your day is about. It's going to be great. I mean, I'll tell you a little secret as well. Most marketers know very little about marketing because there's a lot to cover. So... (laughs) I will do my best to cover as much as I can. <laughs> All right. You're making me feel a little bit better, but I'm, I'm sure the level of expertise is vast. Um, so I want to start out with your journey into marketing, especially because uh, your degree is in very different topics, but I believe that they probably influence what you do today. So can you talk about you know where you started from an educational standpoint and how yeah. your career developed into doing marketing consulting? Yeah. So, you know, I didn't really go into school knowing what I want, like most people. And at some point I decided, oh, I want to become a business person, not knowing what a business person means. I'm just (laughs) happy to do it. And um, I actually, so I went to the University of Michigan and um, at the time to apply to business school, you apply after two years of school. So you apply after your sophomore year to get into your senior year and senior year. So it's like mid, mid undergrad. And I thought, okay, I'm going to do that. Um, of course I didn't make it, but <laughs> I was like, at the time I was like really enjoying all of the other things I was studying. So I was an anthropology and Japanese studies major. Do not ask me to speak Japanese. I honestly don't remember any of it. Cause when you don't use it, you lose it. Um, I promise I won't. Don't yeah. ask me to try and speak my Spanish after like 10 years of trying to speak it. It's horrible. It, it, this is what happens. You you study language in school and yeah, you just don't keep it. Unless maybe you study abroad, but I didn't end up That's true. Regardless, um, yeah, I studied these two things, but I still had in the back of the mind that I wanted to do something in the business realm. I didn't really know what that meant. And it blossomed out of doing internships. So mm. I... Uh, I think it was my junior year, maybe it was my sophomore year. I did an internship uh, abroad. Actually, this is my junior year, um, abroad in Taiwan, um, where my family's from. And I worked at the National Palace Museum. And there, you know, they didn't really wow. have like an idea as to like what what working there meant. They kind of just wanted to educate us. So I like created my own program because they were talking about opening a new exhibit. And I was like, oh, I can help you like figure out how to drive like traffic there and blah, blah. And it kind of turned into like, oh, actually, I'm really interested in marketing. And so I did that for a summer, uh, came back, took a marketing class out of the business school that was for non-business school students, uh, really enjoyed it, did an internship that was a marketing internship in product marketing um, at this company called Velasquez. They do, they used to do, they probably do a lot of different things now, but they were like the coupon people that they put coupons in like newspapers and magazines. They did like the poly wraps around newspapers, you know, the ones that get thrown on your lawn. Yeah. They had all these ads on it. That's what oh, yeah. it was. 
We were big coupon people in my household. We probably remember. Yes. Yep. Yep. Um, So I worked with them and, um, you know, I just really enjoyed it. And I knew like after school, that's what I wanted to do. And I applied to, gosh, over, over a hundred jobs. And, you know, I'm from the Midwest. Wow. I like thought I was going to move to Chicago. So I applied to probably 99 jobs in Chicago. And I applied to like one job in New York. I got an offer to work at Time Inc. in New York um, in their uh, consumer marketing group. So I worked for Fortune and Money magazine um, at the time. And my job was to do retention for them on their subscriber base. So a lot of data modeling, a lot of just like A-B testing, a lot of just figuring out how do you keep subscribers? How do you increase how much you're charging them? How do you get them to renew earlier? Um, all of Were you things. also doing digital subscriptions as well as physical subscriptions? Because at the time, that was when there was a big transition happening, right? <laughs> yes, I remember because we first, we started launching the digital properties at that time. This is how old I am. This shows your age. We had started <laughs> launching digital properties at the time and there was no digital audience group until I joined. So we were doing everything via direct mail. And we didn't even have wow. email. do email subscriptions at the time. It was all direct mail. I remember because part of my job also was sorting through all the mail pieces I sent out, which was hundreds because I managed like so many different segments, like 50 segments for a title. And each segment had, you know, anywhere from eight pieces of mail that you would get to maybe like, I don't know, 25. And I would manage all of the mail and check them. So I would get boxes of direct mail pieces and go through them to make sure that they were correct and that the offers were good. I would keep samples of the ones that we needed so that when a test went well, we had that example on file. Because the recycling must have been an absolute nightmare. Oh, it's a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. Because it was a company that made magazines, we got every single edition of the magazine. So I had wow the magazines. Oh my goodness. I feel that like- also is kind of my dream to get yeah. stacks of magazines. That is like my little kid dream as well. Well, it was, it was amazing to work there because it's a time in life building. And on top Mm. of that, that's like where Mad Men also like filmed. So you kind of felt like you were like in it, you know, you were in this place that had a lot of history. It was like really cool. And because we had Time Magazine and People Magazine, all these like, you know, big titles, a lot of famous people would come to our building. So like, it was like amazing to be a young 20 something at this job, despite the fact that I spent a lot of time in the mail room and in Excel. Sure. Um, just like living the dream, you know, <laughs> you don't know what you, I didn't know what I got myself into. <laughs> was there, were there any famous people that you saw that you, that just sort of like blew your brain a little bit when you were like, oh my God, I can't believe I just saw them. Um, there were, it was so funny. So Ariana Huffington was like mm. in there and I met her and she was like, they also did sessions for the employees. So I got to meet her. That was super cool. I met Malcolm Gladwell. That was super cool. Um, I met um, uh, Tony Shea, who founded Zappos. Um, who else did I see? Uh, I saw the cast of Gossip Girl, the original cast. <laughs> so <laughs> did you see Blake Lively and all that? Yeah, they were walking through, but they're a lot shorter than you think they are. <laughs> <laughs> TV makes people look taller, even though I don't think that's true. But um, they were a lot smaller than I thought, but they were going up to the, the people offices. So, whoa. Yeah, kind of cool. That is exciting. Cool. I'm, I'm nerding out and geeking out over here. That, that sounds 
like a thrill. So how long were you there and where did you transition to next after that? Yeah. So I was there for three years and I went through the 2008 recession. So a lot of layoffs. I survived them, but the structure in which I worked wasn't like really healthy because what they did was they downsized, but it's the same amount of work. Uh, so they cut their work and it wasn't like, sounds great. familiar. Yeah. It sounds familiar. Yeah. It's really not great. And as a young person who like kind of got thrown into it, it just like, I didn't do well in that structure. Mm-hmm. Like I had actually moved up my career really fast. I got there. I went from being like the lowest level to manager within a year. And I had it, I had people working for me. So I'm like, 23, 24 years old managing people. That's kind of crazy. And I didn't really have training. So I also didn't know what I was doing. I was kind of like good at doing my job and I didn't have the maturity to like do any of this well. And then like you lose people. So then you kind of lose that foundation. So essentially I decided to leave kind of cold turkey, honestly, didn't have a job laid out for me because I was like, I need a break. Uh, I would give the advice. Don't do that when you're that young. Cause it can be like really scary. Uh, and it was scary. Um, but I started applying for different jobs and, um, I didn't know anything about B2B. I didn't know anything about the techs, like tech, tech space, pure play tech. And, uh, I got this job at this company called interclick. You know, I was at time Inc. I, I had the six months off quote unquote. It was really me like scrambling to find a job as a young person. Uh, I landed a job in an advertising technology company, ad tech, um, called Interclick. And that was when like advertising was kind of really great. This is weird to think about how long ago this was, even though it wasn't that long ago. Like this was emerging tech at the time, like advertising mm-hmm. online was like new. <laughs> and, like it, I was in that. I space. just remember that being a huge shift from going from, you know, ordering. I mean, I think until my mid twenties, I was more magazine based paper, newspaper based. And then all of a sudden everything just went digital overnight. It felt right. like obviously it didn't, right. right. Cause being behind the scenes, I'm sure it took a lot of effort to get there, but it felt like all of a sudden everything went digital. Right. And it's funny to think also like at that time, pop-up ads were bad. And so this was mm. actually a shift from pop-up ads are bad into like, okay, how can we do better display? Video wasn't even really a thing at the time. So video advertising, like YouTube was in its early days. Um, we were still trying to figure out how to do audience targeting. So like, how do you like have these like segments of audiences? And there are a lot of privacy concerns. So this is like really, I mean, this is 2000, 2011. So really early days internet that I like, oh, advertising internet that I had joined. You were uh, in like the wild, wild west. Um, that's exactly what we called it. <laughs> the wild, wild west. Really? <laughs> well, <laughs> I was in that space for 10 years, as I said, at various companies. I went from there to, uh, oh yeah, and that company got acquired by Yahoo. So is that Yahoo? Um, and that Yahoo doesn't even exist anymore, which is also crazy that Yahoo went from like a day to where it is. So that's there. And then I was in the video space a couple times. I was actually in kind of a SaaS business um, for agencies. Um, And then uh, the last company I was in ad tech was like a verification company doing like brand safety. I'm sure you're hearing a lot about brand safety because of Twitter. Mm -hmm. Um, 
in the brand safety space. And then there's like fraud, which you hear a lot about with bots, also Twitter. Um, and then they also did uh, viewability. Are those spaces currently developing the, the fraud space be, because of more data privacy things that have come up because of, is it what's causing that space to be created? I mean, the space was created originally just because of bots, like bots and scams and so on. Privacy, of course, is a concern, but advertisers just don't want to pay for bot traffic, obviously. So that's why yeah, they would use the verification service to make sure those impressions like aren't, you know, aren't bots. Wow. Scammers so, making, making the whole industry turn. That's interesting. Yeah, I learned a lot about bots during that time. I mean, the information is probably quite dated because that was like four years ago. But because like that technology only gets better and better because scammers get much more sophisticated over time. So definitely, which is funny. I like literally actually and I and I think I'm a pretty smart person. I almost got scammed the other day with the phone call. And they're just really? literally getting better. And I like I couldn't discern whether or not it was a legitimate phone call or not because it they were so good about it. It's so scripted, really elegant, really well done. Shocking. So you have to be on your guard constantly, constantly. Right. Because right. once you know what the method is, then they'll change the method. You know, that's right. that's just how it goes. Well, then Sam of that was like, they called me from a number that was a legitimate number. They had spoofed like a very mm -hmm. real number. And that's, that's mm -hmm. what scared me the most. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it seems like the ways that we would get scammed even 10 years ago are like quaint and kind of like cute right. <laughs> compared to today. Right. Like yeah. I'm a Nigerian prince. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. Yeah. So you have had an experience, not just in so many different parts of marketing, but also you've seen the industry shift from more traditional sort of print into the digital mm -hmm. realm, going into video and all these different aspects. So to bring it into operations, because, you know, that's my happy place and, yeah. and the secret ops happy place. I feel like a lot of us see the outside of marketing and we hear about sort of the end result of marketing, but we really don't know what goes on behind the scenes to make all of that possible. And that's really what your specialization is at and where I get really excited to talk to you because there's so many gears that are churning behind the scenes to make it happen. Right. So when we say the word operations within a marketing function. What are you doing within businesses to develop that? So I think there's a, a couple ways to look at it. I think most people probably think of the most traditional sense that it's about creating efficiencies. I think that's probably mm. like the most normal, typical definition you'll probably get. But I've kind of like come around to it being less about efficiency, but more about what's effective. Like what can you do Got that's it. effective in your program? Because the thing with marketing is that there's so many different things that you can do to market that you can get easily overwhelmed. And marketing is generally under-resourced. And because they're a big cost center, uh, people freak out about how much marketing is spending, uh, especially in B2B. I will say in B2C, it's probably a bit different, but in B2B, like it's expensive to do marketing. <laughs> you're, you're buying, you know, you're like spending money on sponsorships, you're doing events, it costs money to print things, it costs money to like, I don't know, buy like swag to give out. It's a very, and I used to manage budgets for these organizations. It's, it's a lot. So, and I know what budgets get cut because they're like, what are you spending it on? How do you prove ROI? And we, I mean, we all know, but marketers all know, but in general, it's very difficult to track unless you have a very good way of tracking and the business is aligned around it. 
So Mm. when I think of doing marketing well, especially from the operations perspective, I definitely think about effectiveness more because I can be as efficient as possible, but if I'm not making the right impact on the bottom line, doesn't matter at the end of the day. And I focus a lot on efficiency in the past, creating process stock after process stock, which is great because it's repeatable and so on. But then at the same time, like if no one's following it, then what does it matter? And I and I think it's interesting because like, you know, you and I were chatting earlier about like what operations includes and operations includes people. It includes, um, what would you say? People, processes, tech. And technology and, and data, little side of data. And I think the thing is you can control processes, you can control technology, but what you can't control is people. And yeah. everyone operates using that word differently. So for me, it's like, okay, I can't take a process that I create at one company and apply it to the next. It's just not going to work. Like you have to understand what the goals are, what people's motivations are, how they work together. And then you have to determine from there, how are you going to make the most impact on the bottom line? And that might not be the most efficient way to do it. So mm. when it comes to me being, a, uh, and, you know, I didn't really get to this, but like, at my last job in EdTech, I was, I owned marketing operations and demand gen for this business. Like for me, it was figuring out all of those things and making it work smoothly, even if it wasn't efficient, but maybe it is efficiency when you're making it work smoothly. Um, but like making it all work together so that we all like were able to get the things that we needed to get done in the right way. Um, that's anything from like, campaign creation or deciding like, how do we decide how much money to spend? Or like, how do we run an event? And how do we make sure we can track? How do we make sure we're um, talking to the other team so that everyone is bought in? Like that was all marketing operations for me. Mm. I I was just going to say, I really, I'm really digging the, the nuance between being effective versus being efficient. So a lot of the times when, when you hear operations, efficiency is key, automation, streamlining, right? And that's part of it. But you can't always go that route if you actually want it to be effective. And, and there's a difference there. Um, when it comes to being affected, how much of determining that is in the first step of working with your clients? Meaning setting goals, setting metrics, setting, uh, you know, key performance indicators that are showing that this is effective. How much of it is just literally figuring out what that means versus enacting it? Yeah. So I also did say, so now I'm a marketing consultant. I do this with a whole bunch of different companies from like seed stage all the way to like large companies. And my first step is always kind of the same. I talked to them about what's the outcome that you want, like envision what you would like and let's talk about how we get there and wh- how we get there may not be a straight line from A to B. It might it might be mm-hmm. a meandering path a bit because it depends, again, on people, on resources, on time. Um, so it might be a little sloppy and a little bit messy, but we still could get the most wonderful outcome that you want. So that's, to me, what operations is. It's like getting results and like mm-hmm. getting there in a way that makes sense for that business. Um like if I focus too much on creating that straight line, then I might not even make it to to where they want me to be. Totally. O- operation is more of a, a tangle. It's like you're trying to, it's like a knot of necklaces and you're trying to untangle all these little pieces together to get everything in a place that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, 
actually we had a, a I had another guest, Mark Jansen, mm-hmm. who said the same thing. And he's a data scientist, which is operations only make sense when it's effective and there's outcomes mm-hmm. and there's actions. It's not just to create structure to create structure. It is actually needing to impact people. Mm-hmm. Part of my job also as like a consultant and also historically as marketing ops is to educate the organization about how marketing is actually a really good partner in growing the business. And you can't think of marketing as like making things pretty or the things that marketing traditionally are positioned as. Um, So I spent a lot of time talking about like, how can we help your business outcomes? How can I thread the line between what I do um, all the way up to what, you know, our investors are thinking about or what the board is thinking about, how the CEO is thinking about the business. How do I make sure that they understand that um, what I'm doing is part of the bottom line so that I can take myself out of problems and move into, mm. you know, making things increasingly better and growing the business. Um, so I don't know. It's hard because I haven't really been in too many organizations where it's like, yeah, let's figure out that piece. But it's interesting, the educational piece. Yes, the educational piece. But B2C gets very lucky because generally when you're in a B2C org, marketing is incredibly important. And so you get the resources to build and optimize and so on. And there's such a great growth mindset there. And B2B just often plays a lot of catch up. Hello, fellow thinkers. Now, if you have been a loyal listener of Secret Ops then you already know about our sponsors, Baron Fig, the company that makes tools for thinkers. Now, I'm totally biased, but I really think that Baron Fig has the best product suite for thinkers and operators alike. And you know what? I'm not the only one that thinks so. Bloomberg said, and I quote, that Baron Fig's products are, quote, high-end and well-crafted, which they absolutely are. Their Confidant notebook is the most delicious notebook that you will use with the most perfect dot grid paper. But it's not just Bloomberg. Actually, fun fact, New York Magazine, they tested 100 pens to find the top pen. And after testing all of those pens, they rated Baron Fig's Squire pen the number one pen. The number one pen. It's not just me, y'all. You got to give them a try. And guess what? We got you hooked up with the discount code. If you go to baronfig.com today, Enter in the discount code SECRET20 and get 20% off your next order of $50 or more. Again, that's SECRET20 and get 20% off your next order of $50 or more. Oh, I'm like so jealous that you're going to get to see all this for the first time because they're, they're, their products are so delicious. Anyway, uh, enjoy, have fun, let us know how you use the tools, and let's get back to the show. Yeah, I I've seen both and I would agree. The, the strategies are so different, right? And the focuses and where you need to put <laughs> your budget can be, can look very different based on whether it's a B2B or a B2C. Mm-hmm. So this, this gets, I think, going back to the the trifecta of people, process, and technologies. Again, sure. operations for me, like that's the essence there. When I think of marketing, because that is not my strength is marketing. Mm-hmm. I always think of the technology piece because I don't know, I'm a millennial and that's kind of the, the piece that I think of. And I, I always see marketing in relation to like technology solutions. So mm-hmm. I guess when it comes to marketing and choosing technology, what considerations go hand in hand there? I think, you know, I hate to say it. The first thing that always happens is cost. So let's just take cost out of there. Um, The second thing is generally uh, uh, what's the Venn diagram between how easy it is to use 
and how you can train a team um, mm. where you don't need specialization with crossover with how many things can it get done for you. So when I'm sending out an RFP or I'm like viewing demos and so on, I'm really questioning like, okay, how, how easy is this going to be for my team to adopt? Because I've adopted yep. technology that's amazing, like outstanding technology, but when there's too much of a learning curve, it doesn't get used. And I've had to drop that technology. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've learned those difficult lessons. Yeah. And that also gets, I think, to for technology to appeal to a broader audience, right? Your technology that's being created is not just for technologists or developers or data scientists, but they're for broader audiences. They're for people who know, have all the marketing strategy knowledge, but maybe don't have those technical skill sets. You have to be able to bridge the gap between both of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have any favorite tools that you'd recommend? Uh, I think it depends on on what we're talking about, right? I think um, if you're talking about like data management and so on, I think using a tool like Segment in combination with your CRM um, is great Mm. just because you can map all your data back and forth. You can see what's going on. Segment's in this category called customer data platform. I actually worked in the customer data platform for a not segment for another business that was in the space. It's just a fascinating space to see how much data is being collected, where it goes, and how much is actually lost and not analyzed and nothing's done with it. So I think it's really important for marketers to think about that. Um, From like a marketing automation platform standpoint, there's really only a couple of players. I used to be a Marketo person, which is a big name. They're owned by Mm. Adobe. Um, But these days, I think HubSpot, even though there are some things about HubSpot that aren't uh, as robust, easy to use. And I think that's the key, right? You can get your most junior person who knows nothing about marketing automation to easily understand it um, versus Marketo, which is much harder to on- ramp onto. And I mean, e- even me, who I've been using marketing automation platforms for like eight years, I get into Marketo and I get confused, but HubSpot, you can figure it out, which is nice. Other tools, I mean, there's so many. I love Miro, I love Notion. Yeah, um, love Slack. Uh, communication is key, I think. Communication. Marketers love diagramming. Give us a whiteboard, which <laughs> is whiteboard and a marker. We'll diagram things out. You know, I, I love that. I know what to get you for your your birthday. Yeah, just like a really pretty whiteboard. Give me a whiteboard, <laughs> and I will. But I will say honestly, I love Miro. Figma's great too. Like lots of lots of cool stuff out there, and I'm sure there's a lot of new cool stuff out there that I haven't even touched on. Yeah, I um, I could honestly spend two hours just talking about tools, but I will check out Segment. I have not looked at Segment myself, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dive into that. Um, so technology, I, I, I get the piece now. People, we talked about people being the hardest part to wrangle because you can't control humans, right? Yeah, so... What are your considerations within marketing operations and the people component? I think number one is getting to know everyone that you work with is so critical because Mm. you spend so much time with them and everyone has their nuances and different ways of working. So when I build out a team or start in a new team or I'm like even part of a bigger team, whatever it is, my number one recommendation is like just spend time with people and like understanding like, who they are, how they work, what they like to do, what their motivations are, that kind of thing. Um, Obviously, it's not like an interview. You're not interviewing them, but you'll find those things out over time. 
Um, with my teams, I've historically done like uh, everyone who starts has to write like a little intro to themselves and answer how I like to work. Am I someone who um, you ask me a question and I'll respond? You know, I can respond on the fly or you need I need a little time like that kind of thing. Um, how do you like best to like schedule meetings with me to get things done? Whatever. Like, I think that's important to know. Um, mm. But, you know, I think people to me, the most important thing is that they're like curious and interested in what they do. And those are always yeah. been those have always been my best hires. Um, they're just like, you know, like to ask lots of questions and wonder about like why things are the way they are. I think for me, um, you can get like a really, really good marketer who knows how to do X, Y, Z in a specific way, but that specific way might not work everywhere else. So I like people who definitely will question even their own, you know, constructs at work. Curiosity is infectious. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we talked about just in the last, like since 2011, how much has changed within the space. I think that is why curiosity is so important because within one year, the entire space that you're working in can change. So what you knew as a truth all of a Mm -hmm. sudden has just shifted under your feet. And if you don't have that level of curiosity, it it just, your knowledge becomes stagnant. It's, it becomes like old and that's, it's a hard truth because I, I, I've had to train people who, you know, worked in their particular industry for 10, 20 years. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, everything that you know is changing and you have to keep up. And it's, it's hard. I mean, I, I don't know really? about you, but some days that's the most exhausting part is learning, mm-hmm. constantly learning about new things, new tools, new ways of looking at things. It's also the best part of it too. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll tell you the way that I do marketing today, I learned in the last three years. Yeah. So like I've been working for 15 plus years and like, it's not that the foundations I have don't work. It's like, but the new technology and the new ways of operating, the new ways of measuring, you really have to think about it and grow with it. And so what I do today is, I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine, you know, 15 years Definitely. ago. I was still using like when my first main operations role I was using fax to get orders, like a fax number to get orders. <laughs> so to go from fax numbers into what is happening now, I mean, and that's less than, that's maybe eight years. Like that's even shorter, right? Like, like you said, so much is changing so quickly, but man, I'm just grateful we don't have to use fax anymore. I'm, I'm happy to not have to use that. I mean, um, I had an old clunker of a computer that like could barely process Excel. And like, I remember every time I hit save, just to save the file, the fan would start blowing and it would blow all the tape on my cube wall because I had a cube. And it was like, where am I working? Why? Why is this happening right now? Oh and my God, that's just stuff out. I used to print out data models and like highlight on them. Like this is, yeah, it was a weird time. It was a different time. It was a different time. Hopefully we're saving some trees along yeah, with all the yeah. digital stuff. But yes. uh, last piece for yeah. the trifecta, process. Okay. I think process is maybe one of the scariest of the pieces for people. I think some people, when they hear process, they nerd out and they get excited. Other people completely shut down. So <laughs> marketing and processes, how do those two work together? I love process. I... <laughs> know that not everyone can follow them. So it hurts me sometimes when I build these beautiful diagrams that have every single step mapped out. And I know someone has barely gotten there. They've gotten to like step two and I've lost them. 
Um, yep. So it's love hate because marketing, you get tons of different personalities. Uh, you get a lot of creatives and a lot of dreamers who cannot follow process mm. at all. So when I think about running an efficient marketing team, you almost need like a producer on each team that can like manage the people who aren't going to fall into process. You can like chase and remind and so on. And I think that happens in like every org of the business, but I just find that a lot of creatives end up in marketing and it's just, it's just always going to happen. So you can't get upset about it because they have their job and they're excellent at it. And, you know, people mm -hmm. who are much more, you know, process oriented have their job and they can be good at it and shine there too. Definitely. It, there is there is that learning curve, at least for me too, where, you know, I'll make this kick-ass process map and I'm nerding out about it, how awesome it is. And no one really understands it right. if they're not that kind of brain. Every once in a while, you'll stumble upon somebody, I think you and I are in the same way, where we nerd out and we get super excited. But again, you can't always assume that that's going to be the situation and distilling that is key. Mm -hmm. I, I also love the, the pro tip of having a producer. I think it's the same with a project manager, a product manager, having somebody that is the glue between the actions and the process slash documentation. Like you have to have somebody that can manage both of those together. Mm -hmm. um, and those are special people. Like producers right. are special pe people. Project managers right. are special people. They have to have a whole range of skills yes. and also be able to navigate every type of personality, which yes. is not an easy task. It is 100% not an easy task. And it's funny. I think in my career, I've only found a handful of people who are like very good at that. Like you know, yeah. a lot of people in roles who are assigned that and you're like, okay, I can kind of see it working. But the people who are excellent, keep those, find those people. Yes. Keep it almost, it almost seems from the outside, like that they're not doing anything because they make it look so easy. Like that's, right. you know, that's the level of acumen that they have for that role. Right. The plate spinner, uh, the cat herder, find those people. Yep. They're wearing all those hats all the time. Yep. yep. Now, before we get into the last bit, I want to just get some inside scoops. So this is where we like are the cool ants and we talk about the things that nobody really wants to talk about. <laughs> um, so the first thing is, what do you think people get wrong about operations, particularly within a marketing function? Like what is a piece of, I guess, common knowledge that you would want to debunk? Uh, I think in, in the, in marketing, uh, that it's boring. I think mm. that marketing ops to me is actually super creative in the way that you're problem solving and you can come up with different ideas and different ways of doing things. You may not be like designing something, but you're designing something in the way of a process or how it works or how you can, you know, drive revenue for business. It's, it's kind of cool to see what the outcome could be and how that impacts the rest of your, your team. Um, so I think that's definitely the big one. Yeah, I, I think that's a big, that's a big point to highlight because operations is creative, like period, because of all the different factors you have to deal with. You're most likely creating a solution that you've never fully created before in any sort of situation that you get into because the problem is different and the needs are different. Mm -hmm. You have to think outside the box to do it. Mm -hmm. now, and I was going to say, if you want to design something, just design a very colorful flowchart. There's your design. Let's get all the colors. I want all the highlighting colors. Yes, yes please. Yes. <laughs> Let's rainbow coordinate that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> now, what do you think is the hardest piece of your day-to-day -day job? Like, what's the thing? Like, obviously you dig what you do. What is that thing? And you're like, oh God, I got to do that again. 
Um, <laughs> it's funny. It's actually, it's, I love and hate pe- working with different people because mm. they're the wild card. And I think when mm-hmm. you're an operations person, you love control and you want to be mm-hmm. in control and you cannot, like I, we have said, control people. So you're like, yep. when it's a good day and things are going smoothly, you're like, this is amazing. It's all like coming into like what I imagine. And when it's a bad day, you're like, oh my God, I'm going to throw my laptop out of the window. <laughs> um, yep. Hey, love, hate. <laughs> love, hate, love, hate. Yeah. I mean, I laugh because I feel all the things when you say that. Yes. Mm-hmm. There, there's days when you feel like you're flying, like you are invincible when yeah. everything comes into peace. And then there's some days where it's like Rome has fallen, there's yes. chaos. <laughs> What is happening? <laughs> right. You're like, this process, everything is working smoothly. And then you find one thing and you're like, oh, no. Oh, and it no. feels like the whole world is crumbled. <laughs> yeah. Because all of a sudden it's a rabbit hole that you didn't see initially. Now that you've got to go down. Mm-hmm. Um, last piece of the inside scoop for sure. people who are listening to you and they want to be like you. They want to be Joanna um, and be that marketing operations guru. What would you recommend? How how should they transition into this? Where would you start if you were to begin from step one today? Um, I think the number one thing that has made me very good at operations is I ask a lot of people a lot of questions, um, whether I work with them or I, you know, I am talking to people I've just like met or been introduced to. Like, what's your job like? How do you how do you do it? Blah, blah, blah. And then start trying to like weave together how to make those things, you know, work together, how to make them more like we were talking about effective and impactful and so on. And I think um, what has made me really good in marketing, especially I've done a lot of the roles in marketing. I did PR comms. I've done sales enablement. I've been a product marketer. I've done content marketing. That's unusual for marketers. Most marketers kind of stick to like one thing and that's their career. They might be a content marketer from their most junior role to their most senior role, right? But for me, like... I was like, no, I want to try this. I want to try this. And I got lucky. I had a mentor that I uh, worked for for 10 years at five different companies, and she allowed me to do it. So I would say- That's incredible. Right. And and I know, I'm I'm very, very lucky to have her. She's actually one of my clients now. So Love I it. think, you know, I asked her a lot of questions and she let me do those things. So good mentor, asking a lot of questions, understanding how things work. And it's not just within marketing. I like to know how finance does their job. I like to know how- you know, the IT people do their jobs because how can marketing impact those groups? How does HR do their thing? Um, I mean, just be, again, be curious and and ask questions because then when you get into a role like operations, it's not the same at every company. So definitely, you know, when someone's asking you like, oh, how would you do this? You could say some like scripted answer, but it might not make sense if you don't ask questions about how things work and then you're not, trying to like, okay, maybe we do it this way or maybe we do it this way. You don't like think about the alternatives or the options. So like ask the questions, think about how you would solve it. And then that'll make you a better operation, marketing operations person in the long run. Definitely. That, that, and like we talked about because of things changing so quickly, that's Mm -hmm. also why you have to always ask questions Mm -hmm. (laughs) because what, what, what was happening a month ago could even be different in a week after, you know, a week later or two weeks later. It's always about just asking those questions. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, we're going to wrap up with some rapid fire questions for you. Okay. Uh, this is one of my favorite parts because I get to learn a lot about Joanna as the human. Okay. So 
first one, you ready? Like, I feel like I need to do a drum roll or something. Like, I'm first question. What morning rituals do you start your day with every day? Uh, I spend a lot of time petting my dog in the morning because I feel very bad that I'm in this office a lot on the phone, on calls, and I don't spend enough time with her. And she's not a cuddler. So she won't come into the office and come sit in my lap. I have to go get her. So I will go to her, of course, she's princess. And like, of course, so I'm with her. That's my biggest morning ritual. So start the day with a ton of puppies. That's how we yes. start every day. <laughs> well, how yes. do you wind down at the end of the day? What is, that's the next question. What is the thing that kind of gets you into dreamland? Uh you know what? It's terrible. Recently, I think I've been doom scrolling a little bit too much. Um, mm. And then like even more recently, I end the night usually with a phone call to my boyfriend, which is nice. And then I just go sleep. Nothing, nothing crazy. Love it. So start the day with the puppy you love. End the day with someone that puts you on a positive note. Mm-hmm. Just keep those good vibes around you all day. Yes. As far as reading, what are you? What book are you currently reading? What what are you sort of filling your your reading time with? Oh my gosh, this is embarrassing. I'm reading this book called Permission to Come Home. It is about Asian Americans and mental health, and amazing. How, like how? Well, it's just it's it's interesting because like I I feel like I'm a pretty mentally healthy person, but I culturally there are a lot of nuances that I'm still trying to untangle about me and who I am and how my worldview is. And one of my best friends is also Asian American. And we've talked about a lot. And she's like, oh, I'm reading this book. You might benefit from it. And I'm reading it. And it's like, oh my gosh, all of these things that I thought were true from when I were young, this is like pointing them out. And I'm, and I've definitely like encountered a lot of these things through therapy, but I'm like, ah, it's in a book. I'm not so unique as in my experiences. Other people are having experiences because culturally, if you're like Asian American and you grew up, you know, in in you know, Asian American household in America, be pretty similar when they're bringing this culture over. So that is one book I'm reading. No business books right now, though, unfortunately. Wow. That's, I mean, listen, time and place, but that's absolutely wonderful. And after lots of therapy, I, I'm with you. The whole cultural component is <laughs> a, a different can of worms to open up and take a peek at. So yeah. um, mm-hmm. I'm going to take a peek at that. Uh, what is your favorite quote? Do you have one? My favorite quote? <laughs> it's not even like a quote. It's just, so I, again, I worked for the same woman for 10 years at multiple companies and she used to have these like things that she'd say a lot and they're, they're probably from somewhere else. They're definitely from somewhere else. They're not unique to her, but like, uh, perfection is the enemy of good. Something that like mm. is in my head a lot. Uh, get shit done, which isn't even a quote, is like something that is in my head a lot. Like little things like that, like get repeated when I'm doing things, but not, I don't have a specific quote, unfortunately. I'm not that, that person. (laughs) Well, they're more mantras, right? You've gone more of the mantra route, which is like these sort of snappy things that kind of bring you into that present moment. Yes. Um, In your life, Mm -hmm. what do you think is the most important lesson you've learned so far? Oh my gosh, to be mentally present. I think like I am, because of the way that I am, I've uh, been, a, I worry a lot and I, and I don't have a ton of anxiety, but I guess worrying is a form of anxiety. I worry a lot about the future. So I'm a planner. And then sometimes when you're planning, you're missing out on what's going on. So I think that's the number one thing is like, take a minute, 
look around you, enjoy it, even if it's really hard. So uh, I'm trying to practice a lot more mindfulness, not not my strength. Oh my gosh, it's so hard. But I realize I need to do a lot more of it because it's important to pay attention to what's going on around you. Yeah, it's a it's a beautiful thing. And, and time just flies. I'm, I'm with you on that. Yes. Um, what do you want to be when you grow up? Oh my gosh. Um, I really would just like to, it's funny. I always wanted to be in hospitality, but not like, um, not like work at a hotel group or anything like that. I would love to like run my own like Airbnb type thing, type situation. I love to have like a farm with nature where I could like serve farm to table food like this whole like kind of like oh my little hospitality like an inn almost but not quite an inn um that's what i would love to do eventually listen i would uh line up to be one of your first guests so if that ever happens you know who to put on your short list there <laughs> thank um, you <laughs> this has been wonderful last question which is yes. where can people find you where where should we go see what you're up to so um, my consulting business is primary marketing collective you can find that at primarymc.com um, you can email me at joanna at primarymc.com. That's probably the main place to find me. Or, you know, you can also find me on Twitter as well. Joanna Lee Lynn is my Twitter handle. Lovely. Yeah. Joanna, thank you so much for being so generous with your knowledge and giving us a peek into your world. I just appreciate it so much. To the audience who's listening, thank you so much for listening to Secret Ox. Please follow us wherever you find your podcast and check us out at secret-ops.com. We'll see you next time. Hey, listener. Do you want to be a top operator in business and in life? Well, we at Secret Ops are here to help you do just that. Check out our monthly Secret Ops newsletter with exclusive intel just for you. From bonus content to secret resources, we've given you the VIP access. To sign up, check out the link in the description. And as always, thanks for listening.